was always kind of taught to dream big and think like a leader. How can we hack the system? We are producers to its core. We're makers. That was that moment where I was like, yes, like this was a big one to put us on the map. Creativity is messy. Perfect is boring. That to me is good creative. That to me is success. You can see talent in people. We want to go create the next best brand in the world. This is who we are and this is what we do. This is Creatives Off Script. We are live for this special edition of Creatives Offscript in Cannes, France with Jay Russell, Chief Creative Officer of GSD&M, hailing from Austin, Texas. You may know GSD&M for the most successful product launch in food history with the Popeye's Chicken Wars campaign, along with seven Cannes Lions at this festival last year. But Jay has been making waves in the advertising industry for over 20 years, creating iconic work for the likes of Bud Light, American Airlines, and BMW. Thanks for joining me today, Jay. Great to have you. Yeah, thanks, man. Excited. Awesome. So wanted to go back, start from the beginning. Read a funny story. You said that you've wanted to be in advertising since you were 14 years old. Can you tell yeah. me about this ad man that sparked your interest on that fateful career day? Yeah, it was crazy. So it was career day and I picked, you got, you got to pick from three different people, right? So I, I'm going to talk to a lawyer, a doctor and advertising guy. So after two minutes in the doctor thing. I'm like, I can't do this. I don't know what he's talking about. So then the lawyer visited and I was like, well, I can't. I asked him, I'm like, well, what if the person's guilty and you know it? He's like, well, you still have to give them a fair trial. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And then the, the advertising guy shows up like 10 minutes late on a motorcycle and he comes in and he's like, so you guys seen that like Budweiser frog thing, the Budweiser? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, that was me. He's like, I get paid to do that crap. And I'm like, I, I, I can do that. <laughs> I drew Van Halen logos on my notebook and I can do what he just talked about. So yeah, I knew then that's what I wanted to do. Amazing. Amazing. Calling yeah. from a young age. I love it. Yep. And so after college, or I guess right at the end of college, you broke into advertising through the One Club Young Ones competition. Can you tell me how yeah. that happened that night in New York? Yeah, it was so crazy. So we, my writer and I, who I just hired back recently, we did the college competition. It was for Dove Soap and we won. And so we flew up to New York and, you know, we're two kids from Texas <laughs> in the big city and we won and we didn't know what to expect. And we we're walking around and the CCO of DDB Needham at the time, we met him. He's like, you guys want a, want a job? And we're like, yeah. And so he's like, can you start Monday? I'm like, yeah. And so off we went. Like I was hoping to take a couple months off after college, but <laughs> it was a little bit, we got two days off and then we started work the following Monday. Wow. And it was, yeah. Yeah. It happens fast. And actually I wanted to pause there and, and go back to something you just said. So you, you actually hired that writer back over 20 years later now and you, you all are working together again. Is that right? Yeah. Funny story. So his name is Wade Alger and he's pretty legendary. He's done Clouds Over Cuba, Unskippable for Geico. We choose the moon. So much iconic stuff in like the year. So we worked together for 14 years and we had a, uh, which, you know, if you have a creative partner, you tend to be with them more than your family, your wife, your boyfriend, your you know husband. You just spend so much time together. And so after 14 years, we just, we kind of had this blowout and he's, he wanted to go to the Martin Agency. I wanted to go to GSDNM. So it's like, you go there, I'm going to go here. And the next year, he won 36 Lions in one show. And I was just like, that was a really 
hard, hard thing to watch from afar. <laughs> like the next year, I'm like, well, I guess I was the problem because Wade's really good. And then he's gone on to win 57 Lions, something like 93 one show pencils. And so I called him like a couple of weeks ago and we're like, hey, I, you know, we should work together one day. And he's like, how about now? I'm like, are you you're kidding me? Right. So it's just, by the way, it's still really raw with me. Like it just, this just like happened yesterday that he agreed to come on board. And it's, so it's still kind of like, this is not real. Like the guy that I started all this with is coming back. It, it does not. And then, you know, there's a little jet lag distance. None of this seems real. So pretty excited about that. Yeah. Maybe he'll win me 57. Lines. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just goes to show how long these relationships can last in this industry, right? Oh, yeah, it's crazy. And you've had an amazing career yourself. I know you started at DDB and then briefly, momentarily moved to Boulder to work at Crispin Porter, which I interned there when I was a younger kid back in the Colorado days. But yeah. I had a brief stint working at Boulder for, for Microsoft and then moved back to Austin. I'm curious, what brought you back to Austin? Oh, man. So it's so... Like, you know, I was at GCNM, I went to Boulder and then came back to GCNM. And it's almost cliche, like every agency is like, oh, we're all about the culture. It's the culture. But man, I mean, I it's hard to even call GSDNM like an advertising agency because it's just so different. And maybe it's because we were brought up with Southwest Airlines, where you put the employees first, like everything above all else, like what do the employees want the place to be? And the places always sort of walk the walk on that. They actually listen. We listen, <laughs> which is kind of rare. And yeah. uh, it was that. And I mean, love Austin. Like I can't, like it is such a creative muse, like just the city. And the more it grows, everybody likes to say it's growing. It's not the same. And I'm like, it's actually better. I'm one of the few people that you will hear in Austin say that because we just keep getting more art and more restaurants and, you know, just more voices. I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, huge migration out of the major cities, right, during COVID. And I think yeah. Austin was one of the key benefactors. And now you look around, you got Tesla, Google, every major tech company now dropping big headquarters in Austin. What do you think the future looks like for that city? You know, I think, well, it's definitely Silicon Valley part two. I think what's, in, and I've seen it happen over the last, you know, 10 years, is it was really 10 years ago, GSCNM was dead. Right. They, they, that was the pretty much the only creative place in town. Like you didn't have really an option. There was a place down the street, McGarrett Jesse, but then RGA moved in and then like Wonderman. And so it started to, you know, then Preacher popped up and Callan. So there's now, you know, then it became like, okay, great. There's options, right? So if I get fired tomorrow, there's options in Austin. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got the Facebooks and the Amazons and, uh, you know, even Whole Foods started blowing up and with Tesla. And so it, every, like, there's even more options, even though people don't know what they are, like Facebook, like, you know, you can go get a job at Amazon marketing or Facebook, those places, the tech places tend not to be, at least that I've seen when people go there, they're, they're, they quickly want to come back. Cause it's like, they the company sounds great, but it's not, the job is not what I thought it was, right? Like, you know, like Facebook sounds awesome, but when I got to the day-to-day -day work, it's, it's great. But like the marketing, it's different, right? It's just a different, it's in-house. So it's yeah. a different vibe. So a lot of people, they go there uh, and they tend to come back. But there's a lot, the future of Austin is definitely, it's just growing. It's hard to say, but definitely tech. Tesla hasn't even really opened and it's changed the 
just the it's changed so much about that city already. Half of California is there. Yeah, and you got the biggest biggest headline personality in tech living there as well with Musk. So it's gonna be yeah, he's exciting. he's kind of a train wreck. He's he's not super welcome so far. But we'll see <laughs> we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, and so you know with all these great companies there and these new agencies popping up, I mean, kind of going back to that thing you originally said about the culture of GSC and M. What do you do to retain talent? You know, what is your secret to keeping those talented people in house? I mean, it's a, well, it's the value proposition has, it's always, I mean, other than money, it's like, what do you, what do you, you know, a culture is hard to define. Cause I think if you're there, you kind of know very quickly if someone's going to do well there, because it is like such a family kind of place. And you can even tell in an interview if somebody is a GSD and Emmer, like you can just tell it's a vibe and it's, you know, we don't look like advertising people. We don't, you know, like the cliche kind of like a creative at GSD and M looks like they might as well be an accountant. You know what I mean? So there's just a vibe to it. That's just, that's what I think a lot of people love is it's not the East Coast, it's not the West Coast. And we're not kind of like surrounded by those trappings or even, you know, down the street. You're not, there's no, there's no backstabbing. I guess that's part of it. So the agency, it's a very much not just GSDNM, but the entire community of advertising amongst the creatives, it's pretty tight in Austin. So that whole vibe, I mean, if we ever have to let someone go, like I will call Rob Baird a preacher or anyone. And like, we just kind of take care of each other. So it's not hard once you're in Austin to keep people in Austin. So everything else is a benefit. Like, I mean, it's just work with people you love, make great stuff and have fun. And that's kind of the vibe of that place. Yeah. That's a rambling answer. And I don't even know if I answered the question. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I got it. I mean, it's, it sounds very Austin to me, you know, that's the vibe you get in Austin and it's, it's really amazing. But I'd love to dive a little bit into your creative process. Tell me more about the power of tension and addressing the elephant in the room. Wow. This is why I love Austin. And this is why I appreciate the whole idea of tension, which is you know very much a crisp. They, they brought it to life, right? Like their whole agency was based on cultural tension. And I realized the thing about Austin is I kind of call it a tension donut. So in the middle of Austin, you've got the state capitol, right? arguably like the reddest, most politically Republican, maybe place in the country. And then you're surrounded by this big donut of blue, right? The most open-minded, you know, it's Austin is so, I always tell people I'm from Austin, not Texas, right? Because it's such a different place. And you, you know that you've been to Austin. And then outside of Austin, there's more red. So it's this little ring of blue. So there's tension on the inside and there's tension on the outside. And that's always where art comes from, right? Like it's always, you know, musicians, writers, they, you need something to push off of. And so when the city has that from the inside and the outside, there's always, there's always something happening that is, I don't care if it's a march or like art popping up on murals on walls, like, you know, making statements about something or another, it's surrounded by it. And so it kind of like, you just kind of live and breathe it. You always kind of have your fists up a little bit, like looking for the thing that you're going to like, you know, kind of push back against just in your day to day there. Cause I say I'm not from Texas, but Austin isn't Texas, but it's, it's fraught with that. So as far as it turns to work, you just kind of, you know, I've been there long enough for 16 years at JSNM. Geez, maybe, maybe even longer, but it's just kind of, you just look for the thing that is at odds with what's in the market, right? Like what's the, 
thing that is, you know, keeping people from using this product in culture or whatever it is. It's easy when you when you get to pick a fight with whatever the thing is. Tension by definition is kind of like picking a fight. So it's fun. And are you picking tension with the competition or tension with the company itself? Oh, you mean like the the client? Yeah. Like you just find it. Like that's a funny one. It's like, I mean, like Southwest Airlines, the tension for them, A, it's, it's, it's travel, right? Like their value proposition over the years has changed. But right now, like travel is the worst thing ever. Like everything about it. Every people are heightened. They just want to like, I mean, you, you flew over here. You just, you sense it the second you walk into an airport. Mm. And so like the travel industry is their attention, right? In general, they were founded on the belief that, you know, everyone deserves the right to fly, not just the rich elite, you know, business travelers of 1971. And so right now that tension for them is the airport, right? Literally, it's like, how can we, how can we like, how do we fix that? How do we address that? We're getting ready to launch a campaign specifically about that. But, you know, you just got to find it. And that's an easy one because it's like in culture, right? Like they're really easy. At best, like tension comes from an obvious human truth that we all, everybody hates traveling right now. It's just miserable. And it's, we're all in it. The airlines are in it. We're in it. It's just like, I mean, it's understaffed. It's like, it's crazy. So that's a, that's a, that's an easy one to sort of find the tension in. You can't make it up. It's hard to like create tension. You know what I mean? You can't like, it's gotta be real and authentic. Yeah. It's, it's hard to find tension in like an air conditioning company. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you may have to dig for it with a lot of research, but there's always some tension somewhere that you're, you're up against. Some are just easier than others. I love that advice. I'm, I'm like, it's, it's making my gears turn just thinking about our own company and like where the tension exists in our space. So that's really, really great advice. And it seems like as an example, like it seems like you hit it right on the money with this Radio Shack spot where where it starts off, right? Like the first line, the 80s called and they want their store back. Like, of course, everybody thinks that, right? Like everybody's like, yeah, Radio Shack's like old, right? That, you know, you always got to like, I always fear whenever we get a new client, like the first thing out of their mouths is always like, oh, we want to win a lion. And I'm (laughs) like, well, that's, that's easy. Like we like winning the lion's easy. That's kind of on you. Like we'll get you a lion. You just have to buy it, right? You got to believe it. You're going to be the one who has to take risks. And I will give that to Radio Shack. They they bought that, you know. And I was like, wow. Like you're going to let us tell people that your store is outdated and old and irrelevant feeling. And they're like, yep. So <laughs> that's a brave client, right? I put. I really mean that when I say like. It's up to the clients to to really admit the tension, right? Accept it and use it because it's it's scary, right? I mean, if it doesn't work, then that CMO could, you know, be out of a job. Yeah. And what have you learned about not trying to make everyone happy? <laughs> so that's a funny story, man. Like the best advice I ever got was from a client, Jack Pitney. He unfortunately passed away and he was at BMW. And I'll never forget, it was like six in the morning. We flew up there and I was, I was a young CD uh, or new to the role. And I remember him saying we were in the room and there were like eight clients and we we're showing the work. And Jack's like, well, what do you like? I'm, I'm like, I like this ad. I like ad number two. And then someone else was like, well, what about one? We like that thing. I'm like, oh, well, maybe we can put that in two. And then, well, what about that color? I'm like, yeah, well, I'll take a look at that. And so like I go around the room and then Jack stops the meeting. He's like, hey, Jay. I'm like, yep. He goes, we pay you for your opinion. You should give it. 
<laughs> well, you should give your opinion because that's what we pay you money for. And he kind of gave me a wink. He was kidding. But he's like, and then after the meeting, he's like, seriously, he's like, you're not going to make everybody happy. So like, you are good at what you do. Don't forget that. And your opinion is valuable. So don't make everybody happy. You're not going to, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I love that. It's the best advice I got. And do you feel like you've perfected that or is it an ongoing challenge to maintain that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's always an ongoing challenge and definitely the biggest thing I've had to overcome, like by far, you know, I like to, I've always liked to make people happy. Right. It's, it's part of my personality. I think it's a part of a lot of like, I love people. I feed off of people. So part of that is like, you know, you need to be around a lot of people and like, you know, I think it's human nature. You don't, you know, you don't want to make someone upset or any of that. But I definitely have gotten to the point where I'm like, you just, that's life. You know what I mean? You just, it's life. And in doing so, I, I realized that, you know, people respect you for it. You know, they respect you for your opinion more than if you just try to make everybody happy. That's for sure. You know, I want to, I admire people that stick to their guns more than just about anything. So yeah, it's a, it's a daily challenge. <laughs> I'm definitely yeah. getting better at it. Yeah. Awesome. And so I know you've probably spoken on this topic ad nauseum now. I mean, it's been featured in every, seems like every conference, there's been a, a speaker on it. But the big story, you know, coming out of GSCNM recently, of course, is the Popeye's chicken sandwich campaign. Yeah. And you had a, a lightning strike moment that I think that every person in advertising really dreams of. I'm mostly just curious, like, what was it like riding that wave? Like, what happened inside GSCNM during the days when that campaign really started to go viral? It was crazy because like, I mean, what happened, it was definitely lightning striking, but it was also the way it was set up. And like we had this thing called Project Orange, right? And it was our social listening setup specifically on Popeye's. And Popeye's audience has and still is Black Twitter. They are the most influential advocate of that brand. Like they have been and like they run the marketing, right? Black Twitter is such an important voice in that. And our social team, they listen. Like they listen. And the way it was set up with our clients, it was like a giant WhatsApp chain. A lawyer was on it. It was like quick decisions were made. And so, you know, Chick-fil-A, they sent out that, that tweet that was like, you know, I forgot what it was, two pickles, like one bun and something else equals like the original chicken sandwich. And then, you know, one of our, you know, younger writers that was kind of new to advertising at the time just put y'all good and it blew up and like overnight you know you're used to like little spikes in culture like where that lasts like oh yeah we made it on the what's the tonight show or whatever saturday night live you get a little blip on yeah but this thing just didn't end and so after a couple of days we're like oh my this is like a thing like this thing's not going anywhere for a while and I mean, that buzz, I mean, this is a couple this year, two years ago, and it's still like, we're still getting hits. Like it's still showing up in culture. I mean, someone just launched another chicken sandwich. Like it's, it's still going on. And so it, that buzz, but right out of the gate, it was just crazy, man. It's one of those things I've never, I don't want to say I'll never be part of something that big, but that was just like, I mean, it's one of those things. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad I was there to be a part of it. Yeah, because it's it's the thing. Like people will remember it. It's nice to have like something that you know you've done that will definitely affect culture. Like that's a cool thing. So that's my favorite part about it. Oh, what did you guys do at GCNM? Oh, they did the chicken wars. Oh, cool. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like that's kind of neat. Totally. 
And I'm curious, like, how did the plan change? I mean, I'm sure you had this whole campaign planned out of, you know, we're going to do this over the following months. And when it just started to take off, was it a scramble? Was it all hands on deck? I mean, how did you adapt in that moment? It was just, well, the funny thing is we shot a campaign before the tweet for the chicken sandwich, right? And then that we just scrapped, like you didn't need it, right? Word was out. So we scrapped that. And then it was just, how do you pour fuel on this fire? The first thing we did was like, okay, they're out of chicken sandwiches, but they have chicken. So let's do a bring your own bun. We'll do a BYOB. So a lot of places you could bring your own bun and they would just throw chicken on it, right? Like that was one of a ton of little things that just weekly, you know, and it's pretty clients get when something like that happens, they're pretty open to new ideas or quick ideas, right? So, you know, momentum begets momentum. And it just kept going and going. I mean, man, you're making me nostalgic. It was so great. It just kept going. I mean, the Twitter, what was cool about it is we went up and visited Twitter and they like had all the analytics and data behind it literally to that tweet. I mean, you could just see that was like, it just exploded. Like, it's just neat to see the data behind it. Like that they're like, we've never seen such a marketed, such a marked moment where a tweet has instantly just blown up that quick and just gone nuts. It was crazy. It was cool. Producers, are you sick of messy projects, outdated calendars, hundreds of email chains and lost files? Have you dreamed of one tool that can bring your entire production workflow together in one place? Assemble is the project management platform designed by producers for producers, featuring calendars, task lists, call sheets, asset management, and more. Assemble helps industry-leading production companies, agencies, and brands streamline their content production workflow. Try Assemble today using the code OFFSCRIPT, that's one word, to get your first month free. Learn more at assemble.tv. You are listening to the Creatives Offscript podcast. And so I know you're an avid runner. And from what I've said, you've already ran a distance over the circumference of the earth. Is that right? Yeah. It's 24,902 miles last a year ago. A year ago. Wow. Do you have any goals to, to lap the earth at this point? <laughs> I actually said, I guess now I turn around and go the other way. I was at lunch. I was actually at lunch today with Margaret Johnson from uh, Goody. And uh, we were talking about it. And it's a, other than being like an amazing, like therapist, like, you know, your running shoes are a great therapist. It's also something you can control, right. In an industry, in a career where you control nothing, right. You, we try to, but 99% of it is failure or, you know, just don't do it that way. And it's just this constant fight. Like no one can tell me what to do, like running right? I can carry my shoes anywhere in the world. I was on a run when you texted me right before this. And uh, it's, I control it and no one else does. And it's nice to control something. So (laughs) that's why I like it. That was the root of it. We discovered it's like, oh no, you like it because no one can tell you what to do. So I'm like, yep, I like it. Mm, Interesting. Margaret, we actually had her on the show. She's out here in a can. Yeah. Nice. She is. She is here. I'll have to uh, try to connect with her while I'm here. At the Long Beach restaurant, to be exact. That's where she's right now. Nice, nice. Best advice for a first-timer at can? It can start slow. <laughs> start slow. We're here with someone that shall remain nameless that went pretty hard the first day. And, you know, so. But the, the truth about can is, like, you, it is what you make of it. I mean, a lot of people, 
abuse it, right? It's a, it is a giant rose day drinking festival. But the truth is, if you go under the palais and you walk around and look at that work early in the morning when nobody's there, man, that's it. Like that ticket, the price of a badge. Yeah. You know, by far the most powerful thing is you go into the palais and you look at that work and you wander around. It's better in the morning when nobody's there. And because it's just you and the work and you walk out of there up the stairs and you realize what a tremendous hack you are because the work down there, it's, it's unbelievable. Like it is, the quality is so, so, so good. It's what fills you up. You talk about tension. Like that's the thing you want to be. I need an enemy and I see that work. And like, that's the, that's all the inspiration you need coming out of here. It is, it is something else. Amazing. What's your best can memory? <laughs> oh man. The first time you get on stage, like you win a gold and you go on stage and it's like, it's so silly, right? It's like, it, it's, you know, I told my neighbor and he's like, what are you doing over there? And I'm like, you know, you go, you feel like you just, you'd make a good ad and like, maybe you get on stage and win a lion. And he's like, Hey Jay, you work in advertising. Nobody cares. Like, that's not true but i'm like it is definitely you get on a stage in front of like all not just your peers that work with in the states but the whole world i mean it's awesome you know the jury is made up of this giant international best in class like it is it means a lot you know what i mean it means a lot to be you know acknowledged for great work by the best in the world and like standing on that stage when you're looking out there and you've got this you know it's it's cool. I don't know. I'll say it. It's cool. It's also really silly. Thank you for patting me on the head and giving me a little trophy. But last thing I'll say on that, it was like the next day, like the, it was our the first line is like, you know, we came here and you won it. And then the next day I remember waking up and I, this giant exhale where I'm like, whew, I'm like, okay, you got like lines done, right? Like you hit the mark, like you've got, that's it. Like you've got, there's a relief in knowing like that's your biggest goal as a creative. Like that's the biggest accolade in the industry. I think that you can get is a lion. And so when you get that first one, it makes it a lot easier to get the other ones because you're not trying as hard. Right. But that was, that's, I guess, probably my best can memory is that, that feeling in the next day, knowing you won one. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, if any feelings of imposter syndrome or am, am I really supposed to be here? You know, that just kind of validates that you are world-class at what you do, Right. For like five minutes, and then you wait for the sheep hook. I'm still waiting for the sheep hook to come out and pull me off the stage because, like, <laughs> this industry is, I am the biggest fraud out there. Like, this is crazy. Just out of curiosity, do you remember what your first gold line was? Oh, uh, yeah, it was for the United States Air Force. It was a virtual classroom. But at the time, it was like one of the first. I was talking to a judge afterwards. I'm like, it's really cool. It's like, yeah, you guys invented like a virtual classroom. Like, that had never been done before. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, that's why you won that. And, but it was especially, I love winning for the Air Force and we've won quite a few lines because it's, you know, it's United States Air Force, which globally might have a lot of, you know, not a lot of love just because it's the military and United States reputation hasn't been, you understand the position that the country has been in. And so for, for not only to win a line, but I think for people to see the power of that in the United States Air Force, like it means a lot. I, I know like it's, it makes it a little bit harder and it makes it a little bit better when you're winning for the air force. Yeah. Hard mode. <laughs> yeah. Hard mode. Definitely hard mode. What's the most influential book you've read or film that you've seen? Man, I remember like 
one specific, and this is, it's kind of not fair because it's a book on advertising and it's not even a book on advertising. It's this deck of cards called the creative whack pack. But I remember this one specific story in it, this, uh, like it was advice on like cards, right? Like a playing card. And one of them was this architect and he was talking about how he built this like big kind of campus and he did everything, but he didn't, he didn't build the sidewalks. He never finished the sidewalks and the school, they were all like, where's the sidewalks? And he's like, I'll finish them later. And like, what are you talking about? And so like after four months, people were used, they were just walking. Right. And he noticed like in certain places, like where people were walking was wider. And then in other places it was narrow. And so after people had already used it and sort of defined the usage of it, he just filled it in with cement. And so it's this beautiful, like very natural, how people actually walked it. And I'm like, it was just, I don't know. It was a really fresh way of, of thinking, right? It was a really cool way to look at, uh, you know, the mundane, like, great, I'm going to make a sidewalk. I'll just fill it in. It'll be four feet wide and it'll go all over the place. And kind of made it this beautiful thing that matched the flow of how people actually use the terrain. And I don't know, it always stuck with me. It was early. I wasn't even graduated and it stuck with me. And I'm like that. I need to learn how to think like that. Yeah. So it's interesting that that's an advertising book because I mean, it it seems like such a useful lesson for product design as well, or user experience. I mean, that concept feels really ahead of its time. You know, if you were learning that way back in college, so that's very insightful. Yeah. And you know, but I, I, the older you get, the more you realize that like creativity, it's like, everyone's, well, you're creative. That's really cool. Like, I wish I was a creative and it's kind of silly, but like you realize that that muscle, that creative muscle, like it applies, it's everything, right? Like anyone that excels in their career, some of the most creative people I've ever met have been accountants and they're not thieves. (laughs) They solve problems. You know what I mean? They solve problems like in ways that people aren't used to. So Yeah. yeah, that creative muscle, like, yeah, I admired it. I thought it was really just a fresh way of looking at the world. Awesome. And what are you reading or watching these days? What am I watching? I feel like during this pandemic, I'm running out of shows. Like, <laughs> I feel like I've watched everything. What am I watching right now? Better Call Saul. Like, I'm not one of those, like, oh my gosh, have you seen this weird show that's in, like, you know, written in Uruguay and spoken in French that only a few people know about? I'm like, I like, I like the mainstream. I'm like, you know what I mean? I like, give me a... You know, someone asked on a panel, what's your favorite movie? I'm like, Red Dawn. They're like, I'm sorry, Red Dawn, the like the horrible cheesy movie with like, you know, Patrick Swayze. I'm like, yeah, that one. (laughs) I like it. I grew up with it. I love it. I don't need to tell anybody why. I just like it. So I I have no, like, I don't even know the right book to say that you're supposed to say, right? There's all these like, oh, this book by this philosopher. I just, no, I'm pretty right down the middle mainstream kid. Yeah. Raised in Missouri. Yeah. Breaking Bad, one of the greatest shows of all time. Definitely. Yeah. The best. And what's something that you're really passionate about outside of work? Well, running. <laughs> We've covered running, but I'm crazy passionate about that. Man, I'm, well, this is the truth. And if you ask anyone about me, I am so passionate about whatever's in front of me that I believe in. Like, not a little bit. Like, oh, Jay says there's no, like, gray in his life. It's either he loves it or it's 200%. There's no gray in my life. I'm either all in. I'm either overly all in or not at all. So whatever. And that passion can change daily. You know, they always joke, like, 
if I see something, if I see an idea that I like, it's going to happen. I will will it to happen. I'm like, I will be the annoying dog that does not shut up about it until I just wear people down. So I'm passionate about being passionate, I guess. I can relate to that. I'm, I feel the same way as that. It's a gift and a curse, I think, because I struggle with the gray area stuff, right? Like if I'm not 100% in, it's, it's probably not going to happen. But when you, when you are yeah. passionate about something, it, it happens. Yeah, I'm passionate. I get a lot of passion out of people that are passionate. Like if there's a bricklayer and they're like totally stoked in what they do and they teach you the methods, like, oh my God, like I love, I love anyone that's passionate about anything. And that makes me even more passionate. So <laughs> I don't know. Choose good, right? Choose happy and choose enthusiasm and passion. What advice would you give to a 20 year old you? Oh man, like this is so easy for me to answer because I had to, I had to figure it out for myself. Do not let this industry define success for you. As I say, it can, right? Which is hilarious. I went down some paths that like, I mean, I wasn't the best fit with Crispin, right? But I went there because they're the hot shop and it like, you know, that's where you go. Like, yes, at that time, it's like, yeah, go to Crispin. You're supposed to go to Crispin. That's like, you got a job at Crispin and you go to Crispin. And that was just the, I thought that was the path, right? Like you're supposed to do that. And, you know, the older I get, again, I'm like, my definition of success is now, I think I said in the beginning, it's like, you know, make great work, work with people you love and have fun. And the rest kind of takes care of itself, but it's easy for a creative to go down that path of the industry telling them what they should be doing. And it's just, that's the worst thing you could ever do. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've been doing a excellent job of following your own advice. Obviously, incredible success with GSDNM down there in Austin, building one of the hottest shops in one of the hottest markets. So uh, congratulations on everything you've done. I just get to watch. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Hope to join you for a drink here in Cannes and enjoy the week ahead. Hey, I appreciate it, man. It was great talking with you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and comment to help us spread the word. You can also find more insider content on the Assemble blog, and you can find me on all channels at Nate Watkin. And don't forget, if your producing team is in need of a project management solution, try Assemble today to streamline your production workflow. Our listeners receive their first month free by utilizing the code OFFSCRIPT, that's one word, at checkout. You have been listening to the Creatives Offscript podcast hosted by Assemble. Assemble.